the thief comes not except to steal kill and destroy i have come that you might have and enjoy life life in abundance until it overflows discover how to live the abundant life in christ through the ministry of pastor ose yao afuakwa pastor afuakwa is the general overseer of faith house charismatic chapel international a thriving ministry in kumase ghana god has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know god better live life better and impact their world better get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory success and limitless prosperity god bless you as you listen come with me to revelation chapter 3 verse 7 to 8 it's our month of open door somebody say it's my month of open door and i see closed doors opening for you may every closed door be open for you in the name of jesus he says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things said, he that is holy, he that is true, he that had the key of David. He that opened it and no man shut it, and he that shut it and no man opened it. He says, I know your works. May your works qualify you for open doors. He said, I know your works. And behold, I've set before thee an open door, which no man shall shut. One works that qualifies us or positions us for open door is the business of soul winning. Praise God. It gives us access to doors that hitherto would never have been opened unto us. Paul said without praying also for us. Colossians 4.3. Without praying also for us that God will open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I also, I am also in bonds, to speak the mystery of Christ. He says, pray that God will give me an evangelistic door. And this holy day, God is giving us an evangelistic door. He said, pray that God will give me a door of opportunity. To do what? To minister the gospel to the, to the unsaved. What is so winning? Last week we talked on one. Soul winning involves reaching out to lost souls with the gospel so they can believe and be saved. Somebody say, reaching out with the gospel. It means reaching out to lost souls. Reaching out to lost souls, please correct it. Reaching out to lost souls with the gospel so they can believe and be saved. The problem with the world is not the gospel. The gospel has already been given. What is the gospel? Christ died, resurrected on the third day, and by believing and putting your faith in him, you come into eternal fellowship with him. That's the gospel. The good news is that hitherto you were a sinner. But now you don't need to be a sinner again. If you can place your faith in Christ, immediately you are converted from being a sinner into a righteous soul. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the gospel in this simplistic term is that no man needs to live in sin again. No man needs to remain an enemy of God again. All of us have an opportunity to reconcile unto God. All of us have an opportunity to come into fellowship with God again. That is the simplicity of the gospel. Praise God. So every man 
No matter how sinful he is, no matter how crooked he is, no matter how far he may feel away from God, every man has an opportunity to come into fellowship with God again like it was from the beginning. When God could come to Adam in the Garden of Eden and have fellowship with him, God longs for such fellowship. God yearns for such fellowship. God is calling us back into such fellowship. And the means of doing that is through the gospel. Somebody say through the gospel. So the gospel is the message God has given us. And we need to take it and take it to the people who need it. Praise God. In the book of Mark chapter 16 verse 15 to 16. He said, go ye unto all the world, into all the world, and preach the gospel. Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we say, when we talk about soul winning, we are saying, reaching out to lost souls with the good news of the gospel until they come to believe and they come into faith with Christ. Once we reach out to them, God's business is cause them to believe. Because for them to believe, they must hear. We are told in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 14. Romans chapter 10 verse 14. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the same shall be saved. Verse 13, please. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the same shall be what? Saved. But how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? So, for them to come into salvation, they have to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he said, there is no name under heaven given to man by which. Now, it, now is there neither salvation in any other name? For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name. And to call on that name, you must have faith in that name. That people call on Buddha because they believe in Buddha. Others call on uh, belief that Mo- uh, 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 Muhammad is away and they work with him. But there is only one way according to scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So that's it. And we need to let men know that he is the way. That's what the gospel is all about. John Wesley said to his students, he said, you have only one business and that business is the salvation of souls. That's our business. Somebody say, that's our business. That's our business. Thank God for the work you do. It's a means to keep you occupied on this earth so you can continue to execute the business of the kingdom. The kingdom business is not administering drugs to people. The kingdom business is not selling uh, whatever you are selling to people. The kingdom business is not taking blood sample and running tests. The kingdom business is bringing people into intimate fellowship with God. That's the ultimate kingdom business. But while we are on the earth, we need something to get us going. That's why we do the other things we do. So we must do all other things. But we should not forget the principal assignment for which we are on earth. He saved us to save others. That's what it's about. He said you have one business and your business is the salvation of souls. Jesus had one business when he came. He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business. And he went everywhere. In the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all them that were oppressed of a devil. For God was with him. 
And it's the same good God has called us to do. In the book of Mark chapter 16 verse 15, the same good God has called us to do. God was with Jesus as long as he went about doing the things God required him to do. And we are told, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, he that believeth, verse he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that, shall, he that believeth not shall be dead. Verse 7, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. is a cast out devils. Blah, 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 blah. Verse 20. He said, and they went everywhere. Preaching. They went everywhere and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. So the same way God worked with Jesus, he is ready to work with us. Provided we will go. I see him working with us. In the mighty name of Jesus. On Friday, as we step out, if you meet the sick, lay your hands and pray for the sick. God is with you to minister healing to the sick. So that's our business. And we said soul winning involves three things. Last week, we said it involves reaching out to lost, reaching out, reaching people for Christ, and bringing people to Christ, and keeping people in Christ. Somebody say reaching people for Christ. Keeping people, bringing people to Christ. And then keeping people in Christ. Why is soul winning such a vital necessity? Number one, we said that it's one of the greatest opportunities we have in this life. It's one of the greatest opportunities. Somebody say soul winning. It's one of the greatest opportunities we have in Christ. The Bible says, go bring forth fruit, let your fruit abide. And then, whatsoever you ask, John 15, 16, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, it shall be given. So, it's a platform to access anything you desire in God. Go, bring them and keep them. And then you are ready to go. I see you coming into this opportunity. Number two, we said so winning it's necessary because God loves souls. Somebody say, God loves lost souls. Ironically, people think that God hates sinners. God does not hate sinners. He hates sin, but he doesn't hate sinners. God loves sinners so bad. He loves them. He loves them. He loves them. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to change because we couldn't change. He loved us so we could change. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him. Number three, we continue with number three. Number three, it is one of the few opportunities that can only be utilized in this life. So winning. Your ability to win souls to Christ is limited to you in this life. And you must never forget this. That there's a saying that opportunity come once. Some opportunities come but once. That is not true for every opportunity, but it's true for soul winning. It's not true that some opportunities of opportunity come but once. If you walk with that philosophy, you can miss out on certain things God has packaged for you in life. But when it comes to the business of soul winning, opportunity to do it comes but once. That opportunity only exists while you are alive. As long as you have life, you can reach out to a lost soul for the Lord. You can minister salvation to your family. You can minister salvation to your classmates. You can minister salvation to your classmates. But the moment you exit 
from this life into glory. If you are going to heaven, that's your destination. If you are going to hell, that's you can't do much. And we see this exemplified in the story Jesus told concerning Lazarus and one rich man. Luke chapter 16, verse 27 to 31. The Bible said, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Look, somebody who had the privilege of hearing the gospel and responding refused to pay heed to the gospel until he died. But when he died and became exposed to the reality of divine judgment, all of a sudden, all his senses came alive. And such a person who was heartless in life became so compassionate that he wanted everyone and his family in his family saved. When he wanted to do something about his life and he realized it was too late to do something about his life. In death, no one can do anything. The Bible said it's appointed unto man to die once. But after death, judgment awaits us all. So this man came face to face with the reality of God's judgment. Sometimes it's so sad that people live with the illusion that there is nothing really after death. Death is the end of it all. There is nothing more fallitical like that. It's very fallacious to think that life ends in this life. There is higher and better life after here. The Bible says, he said, send him to my father's house. That he will go and look at him. He said, for I have five brethren. He was not an evangelist in his lifetime. But in death, he became an evangelist. I have five brethren. That he may testify unto them. Lest they also come into a place of torment. Praise God. You don't need to get there to see that the place is a tormenting place. God has given us a picture of the place clearly in his word. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses. They have the prophets. Let them hear them. Praise God. They have Moses and they have the prophets. And he was referring to the writings of those people. They have Moses, they have the prophet. And he said, Nay, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will not repent. Verse 31. Then he says, and he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded. Though one rose from the dead. So, it's an opportunity you can only utilize in your lifetime. When you die, you can't have an opportunity to reach out to any lost soul. That's why we must seize it while we are alive. How profitable is the business of soul winning? And we touch on three profits. We touch on the profit of soul winning in three dimensions. Number one, we said soul winning is profitable to who? God. Soul winning is profitable to what? You. And soul winning is profitable to what? The world. Soul winning is profitable to God. It's profitable to you. Profitable to the world. How profitable is soul winning to God? It glorifies him. It glorifies him. Somebody say it glorifies him. Say glorifies him. John chapter 15 verse 8. John chapter 15 verse 8. He said, Herein is my father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that he, so shall ye be my disciples. He said, Herein is my father glorified. It glorifies God when he sees bumper harvest of souls. Yesterday when we stepped out and seven people responded to the gospel, heaven is happy. But heaven is more happier when such people find their way to church and they are nurtured into Christ-like nature. That's what God is even more excited about. 
So God is glorified. God is glorified. And when Jesus came on earth, his principal business was to seek to bring glory to God. That was all he cared about. Bringing glory to God in all he did. Look at what the Bible says in the book of John. John 17 verse 4 and 5. John 17 4 and 5. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work. Which thou gavest me to do. Verse 5. He says, and now, oh my father, glorify me with thy own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Praise God. He said, glorify me because I've glorified thee. So, when we bring glory to God, we in turn access his glory. May your life be glorified this month. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everything that looks like shame, everything that looks like reproach, everything that makes men mock at you and despise you. In the name of Jesus. As we step out and reach out actively to the lost, I see God taking that shame away. That reproach is living your life. That academic reproach is living your life. That hell challenge is giving way for life. In the name of Jesus. He said, I glorify thee. Glorify me with the glory which I had with thee. In the book of Proverbs chapter 14 verse 28. Proverbs 14 28. He said, in the multitude of people is a king's honor. In the want of people is the destruction of a prince. God is glorified in multitudes. God is what? Multitudes glorify God. It will be an insult to the president, our dear president Anadu, to invite him to a hall for a meeting. By the time he enters there, nobody is eating. The place is empty. God is not excited when he comes to church and he sees a place empty. Praise God. He wants everywhere filled because he's the most high God. So winning brings honor and glory to God. And as we fill his house with multitudes, I see him filling our lives with blessings. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every emptiness in your life, every void in your life shall be filled by God. Can somebody give me a believing amen? Give me a louder amen. Number two. So winning is a platform for provoking supernatural breakthrough. So winning brings breakthrough. So winning is a platform. It's a platform. It's a platform. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 8. Luke 5, 20, 1 to 8. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Genesaret. Then what happened? And saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of it and were washing their nets. Ask your neighbor, are you washing your nets? To wash your net is a symbolic of giving up. To wash your net is to say it's over. To wash your net means that there is no hope again. To wash your net means that you have come to the end of your life. To wash your net means you can't see light at the end of a tunnel. But I came to announce to you there is great hope in your future. God is restoring hope to that hopeless situation. Breakthrough shall come to your life again. Shout a believing amen. Amen. The Bible said, and he entered into one of the abandoned ships. Which was Simon's. And prayed him that he would thrust out a letter from the land. And he sat and taught the people out of a ship. Look at verse number four. And when he had left speaking, 
he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and he let, let down your net for a drought. Look at verse number five. And Simon answered unto him, said, we have toiled all night. That's why he was washing his head. We have toiled all night and we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And look at verse 6. And when they have done this, they enclose a great multitude of what? Fishes. And their net break. Praise God. Look at verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other shape, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the, both the ships, so that they began to sink. Verse 8. And then, when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. May God give you a breakthrough that will break your mind. In the mighty name of Jesus. He used Peter's boat. And he handed him a harvest. A net breaking harvest. A boat sinking harvest. Now you think God will use your life and abandon you? You think you will avail your time? You avail your energy? You avail your resources? To see so safe and he will abandon you? God blesses those he uses. God is not an abuser. God is a blesser. And if you come into partnership with him. You walk in the manifestation of those blessings. Amen. I see you experiencing his blessings. Amen. I see you experiencing his blessings. Amen. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So when we partner with God in reaching out to lost souls, he blesses our lives. And in this month, that blessing is coming to you as an open door. That blessing is coming to you as an open door. Amen. Give me a believing amen. Amen. Give me a louder amen. amen. The third profit of soul winning for the world is prosperity for all. Somebody say prosperity for all. Say prosperity for all. Do you know that God wants all nations blessed? Oh, say it louder if you know it. God wants all nations blessed, including your own. God never designed that there will be first world and third world nations. God designed that all nations will prosper. The Bible said that God is not a respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. The Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17, he said, Child them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God wants us all to have all things to enjoy. But we live in a world where a large percentage of the world is not saved. And such people find dubious means to control the wealth of the masses. The poverty of Africa is the poverty of corruption. It's not the poverty of resources, it's the poverty of corruption. It's the poverty of corruption. And if we can get the corrupt people giving up their loot upon their salvation, Everybody will be fine. Am I communicating here? You, you don't agree with me? Everybody will be fine. Everybody will be fine. If you like, let our politicians stop chopping our money. And let them begin to pay well. A lot of people will do well. Yeah. They don't have money to employ young doctors who have finished school. But they have money to use for nonsense things. You are here. 
When you get there, don't forget what I'm teaching. <laughs> very important. Corruption has made Africa look very, very poor and wretched. But you know the root of corruption is the crookedness of heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. If he can get the heart changed, the life will change. But as long as the heart is crooked, no matter what you do, that's why salvation is critical. Once salvation comes, corruption goes. You doubt it as Zacchaeus. When Jesus met him, ha, it was a very serious thing. Come with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 8. 8 and 9. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, the half of my goods are given to the poor. Now, take note. When he gave half of his goods to the poor, he wasn't becoming poor. He could afford to give half of his goods to the poor and not become poor. Not only that. He says, and if I have taken anything by false accusation from anyone, I restore fourfold. So, listen. He was ready to meet the needs of the poor and then those he had also dubiously stolen from. And he was still not going to be poor. Now, if you have one person steal as much for himself so that he can give to the poor and not be poor, he can restore what he has stolen and not be poor. Then you can imagine why a lot of people are poor and few are rich. Because even if you go into advanced countries, those who are rich don't want to share anything with the people down. No. The system is wired in such that the rich gets richer and the poor gets poorer. That's how the system of the world is run. But when your heart is touched by God, you want to see everybody do well. He said, I'm ready to help the poor and I'm ready also to help the people who may not be poor but have cheated. May God bring us a change of heart. How did this happen? It happened when he became born again. It happened when he became born again. So when we get people saved, our problem is not to be talking about uh, Nyantechi, all of those things. Thank God for Nyantechi and all. But it is a heart. It looks like, oh, it's only Nyantechi. You, if they put you somewhere. I don't know. When your heart is not transformed, when you see the kind of money he was seeing, your heart can easily be corrupted. You are sitting down there. <laughs> and somebody puts $65,000 before you. Cash! Some of you, that's all it takes for you to backslide. You will quickly say, oh, but God understands. I'll confess and forgive me. Money. How do we win souls? Number one, by praying for them. Number one, by what? Praying for them. Number one, by praying for them. And all through this month, every uh, Friday between 9 and 12 midnight, prayer is ongoing here. So you can join in. Let's intercede and engage for the lost souls. 9 to 12, we meet and we pray. Then, number two, go in and preaching to them. Somebody say, go in and preaching to them. So the first phase is to pray for them. Paul said, my heart desire is to see that men save, get saved. Then number two, we must aggressively pray for them. Uh, preach the gospel. Going and preaching to them. Paul said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. He says, 
preach the preach the word be instant in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine and that's what we are doing this friday we are reaching out and we are preaching the gospel preach he said go and preach the gospel jesus said go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel and usually what we hear about preaching that's where some of us we begin to shake and shiver i don't know how to preach well, you already know how to preach. If your life has been transformed, it's an enough message. This was how I used to be. This is how I am now. You are preaching. And Jesus is ready to do the same for you. Preaching simply means telling others of the great things your encounter with Christ have done for you. What has your encounter with Christ done for you? What has your encounter with Christ brought into your life? Who were you like before? And how are you like now? What transformation have you experienced by coming to faith in Christ? We saw a man like that in the book of Mark chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Mark 5, 18 and 19, the Bible said, When he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Habit, Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to die Go home to die. Go home to die. And tell them what? How great things the Lord had done for thee. And how he had compassion on thee. Preaching simply means tell people how God has been compassionate on you. Tell people what great things God has done for you. He did it through Christ. He's been compassionate. Why? Because you deserve judgment. And he gave you mercy. You deserve hell. And now... He has given you a destiny in heaven. You deserve the kingdom of darkness. But through Christ Jesus, he has translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That's how much he has demonstrated compassion on you. You were an old creature, but now he has made you a new creature. You were a nobody. Today he's made you a somebody. You have made, he's made you somebody who people respect. You were supposed to be a prostitute standing by the street side and changing men like clothes. But here you are sitting decently and uh, uh, walking about carrying yourself with dignity and honor. All because Christ had compassion on you. You have a responsibility to communicate same to others. That's all. That's what preaching the gospel is all about. That's all it's about. Why must we go and preach the gospel? Because going to sinners with the gospel everywhere we find them is foundational for the fulfillment of the great commission. That's why we need to go. We must be on the go. Sinners won't come to us. We have to go to them. Sinners won't sinners won't what? We have to go to them. Because unfortunately because we've not been taught well even when sinners come to us our attitude scare them away. Praise God. We make them feel so sinful and we so holy that they are repelled the same way having mosquito repels mosquitoes. That is how our negative attitude towards sinners repels them. But no more. Amen. I said no more. Amen. That's why I encourage you to be at the cell so you know how we can partner with God. When Jesus was on earth, one of the characteristics they gave him is that he's a friend of sinners and publicans. Jesus knew how to befriend sinners. But we run away from sinners. And we are looking for who to get saved. We need to learn 
how to reach out to sinners. Befriend them and not to sin. We, we are so conscious of sinning that we, are, we don't want to have anything to do with sin. But if you really know what redemption brought to you in Christ, you will know that sin is one of your least problems. Somebody say sin. It's one of your least problems. Sin. Sin is a least problem. Because it was supposed to make way for others. In fact, the Bible calls sin a repentance, foundational doctrine. Because it's basic. It's one of our least problems. Why must we go and preach it? Because salvation requires the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Salvation. Somebody says salvation. If we don't preach it, people cannot be saved because salvation requires the incorruptible seed of the word of God. The Bible said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. What people need to receive in order to be born again is the gospel. They need the gospel. God's word has capacity to save people. That's why we must reach out to people with the gospel. And there are two ways we preach the gospel. One, we preach it by our lives. Somebody say by our lives. By your life, you preach the gospel. By your life, your kindness to others, the way you relate to your subordinate as a boss, is a way of preaching. You can preach to them without ever quoting John 3.16. Just by living rightly before them. Just by being kind. The way you relate to your roommate, you are preaching to her. You want, to, you want her to follow you on friends day to church. But the least mistake she, does, she, she makes, you give it to her like no man's business. Somebody borrowed 10 CDs and has not returned it. And you are almost raining curses on him. 10 CDs. May God prosper you. Because if you can curse people for 10 CDs, preach it with your life and preach it with your lips. Somebody say, preach it with your lips. Preach it with your lips. Preach it with your life. Preach it with your lips. Now, how to preach the gospel to win the lost? How do we preach the gospel to win lost? Number one, believe in the power of the gospel. Somebody say, believe the power of the gospel. Say, believe the power of the gospel. You must understand that the gospel is powerful. Francis, the gospel is what? It's powerful. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is powerful to save. The reason why most of the time people feel that they must say something more than the gospel. Threatening people with hell. Threatening people with hell is not the gospel. Praise God. Yeah. If you don't repent you go to hell. It's true. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God loves sinners and he wants them saved. Yeah. That's the gospel. The gospel is that God has brought us great blessings in Christ Jesus. And our major response to it is by faith in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is not hell or heaven. The gospel is that there are great benefits in Christ for all of us. What Adam used to enjoy, God wants us to enjoy the same. But the only platform is that we must be born again. That's it. That's the gospel. So we must believe in the power of the gospel. Somebody say, believe it. Believe it. believe it. The gospel has power to save. If you believe it, you will share it. The gospel has power to save. We must believe in the power of the gospel. Number two, we must pray for the conviction of the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon the message. Pray for the conviction. That as we preach the gospel, sinners will be convicted. Number three, we must not condemn sinners. We must know what? 
If you are going to preach to them, we must not condemn them. We must not condemn them because that's what, not what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not give us the ministry of condemnation. He gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Enough of condemnation. Somebody who is not born again, you are already telling her how to dress. Telling her how to dress. He's not born again. Let them wear whatever they want to wear. That's not the gospel. When their heart is transformed, their utter life will be transformed. Am I communicating here? I've limited the gospel to basic rules that never work. We must not condemn sinners. Jesus never condemned. The Bible said God did not send his son to come and condemn the world. John chapter uh, 3 verse 17. But that through him the world might be saved. He did not send his son to. God did not. God sent not his son into the world to condemn it. So when we preach condemnation to sinners, they become hardened to the gospel. They see God as a wicked person who wants to kill people. But that's not God. <laughs> that's not God's agenda. Hell was not made for man. Hell was made for the devil. It is only men who decide to partner and fellowship with the devil who end up in hell. And they don't have to make that choice. It's a choice they make. They don't have to make it. And we have to let them know the gospel so they don't make that choice. We must keep on watering the seed of the word. Somebody say, keep on watering the seed of the word. After planting. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. And then, of course, we must trust in God's ability to save. To make the seed of the word prosper. I want you to close your eyes and speak to God. Lord, as I partake of your body and your blood today, let the boldness to reach out to lost souls. Boldness and the courage to reach out to lost souls. Let that boldness be my portion. Open your mouth and speak to God. Rago shagabahandi boko sagra. Rekata galibranda gaso gelebesa. Father, we thank you for your body and your blood. Thank you that as we partake of your body and your blood today, we receive boldness to speak out your word. Thank you, Father, for healings and deliverance that is happening in the lives of your people. One word. One word. Can heal any disease. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 020-422-5790 or 027-422-5790. Or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services, 6.30 to 8 a.m. fair service, 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. second service, and on Tuesdays for our Word Encounter service, 6 to 8 p.m. at our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanaama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santa Serranabout, Kumase, Ghana. God richly bless you. In one word, one word.